Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro, college, basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code believe that's spelled B L E A V to receive your reward. Betonline.ag where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on in to another fantastic episode of Bar Talk. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, happy Thursday, happy Friday, happy Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever it is that you are listening to this, I hope you're having a great day. Okay, guys, it's, I'm really excited to have you guys here, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear from your, from our guest today. Um, One of the really cool things about this job that I get to do um, that, you know, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like our parents would, you know, when, when the internet first started, they would never say like, you know, don't become friends with these people that you meet online. But I become friends with a lot of people I meet online. That doesn't mean I don't do background checks. That sounds weird. But anyways, point that I'm trying to make is the guest that we're having on today uh, is known as Backstage Bobby, uh, Bobby Dixon, who I got to meet doing the podcast. And she really has kind of created her own unbelievable lane. And she is kind of your like, go to country music content in Chicago. I really don't know of anyone else who's kind of doing what she's doing. And, you know, last year in November, she actually got to go to the AMAs and interview some of the biggest names in country music, which is actually wild to think about. Um, I was so fascinated in her journey and how she got to where she got to that I thought, you know what, I think we need to have her on. And I think people need to hear her story because I really believe that um, you can do whatever your heart desires. Um, You have to have a little bit of determination, um, a good amount of self-confidence a hey can i can i call you back in like 10 minutes i'm i'm recording right now oh yeah okay all right bye sorry guys um and you need to have uh, a little bit of What's the word I'm looking for? Not determination. You need to have determination, but a little bit of stubbornness. I always say this is when my Irish stubbornness comes into place. But Bobby says something in her interview that I thought was so interesting, and she calls it the the third door method. And for anyone who's trying to break into any career or just wants to do something a little bit different, but you don't know how, I highly recommend you hang out to listen to Bobby's point of view on this because I had never heard it put this way before, but I'm going to tell you that it kind of reminds me of one of the scenes from Goodfellas. 
Okay. All right. So we are going to go ahead and we're going to get into that. Before we do that, guys, um, I have just like a few kind of quick call to actions, we'll say. Um, so first off, if this is your first time listening to Bar Talk, guys, seriously, welcome on in. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you are a returning regular of mine, welcome back. I have so much gratitude that you guys are choosing to spend your time with me. Um, Two, if you could hit the follow button wherever you get your podcast from, and then I would love it if you could follow, leave a five-star rating and a review. It'll take you 60 seconds and it makes this girl's day just better and brighter and it would seriously mean the world to me. Number three, to my YouTube peeps, what's up? Hello, hello, hello. Follow the words of my shirt today, which says, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Um, No, but if you are on YouTube, guys, uh, I would love it if you would subscribe to my page. Make sure you leave a thumbs up and you could leave a little comment on this video. Uh, Make sure you follow us along if you're not completely sick of hearing me talk. It is at Bar Talk with Jenna across the board, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And then hang around for the end of my conversation with Bobby for a segment I like to call here's a tip for you a little bit of advice to get you through your day okay all right guys that is what I got for you so let's go ahead and get into my conversation with the one the only Lexi Bobby enjoy you um I think are doing something that like you created a job that I don't think people knew we needed. Ah, okay. Okay. I'll take that. I think, I think that's the, that's a great way to start it. Okay. And and what I mean by that for those listening is, um, you know, country music in Chicago is huge. And when I tell people that when I've lived in Miami, I've lived in Minnesota and I meet people, uh, doing some of my like sports stuff. And when they hear Chicago, they don't always associate Chicago with country music because we've had, you know, really iconic people, one being Kanye West. So Chance why would the rapper, Chance yeah. the rapper, you know, so it's like, why would you associate the, that with country with Chicago? But that being said, you have totally taken your love of country and have just made it into like yours, where I always say like, you've created something that makes you you and I think will make you have a job like for the rest of your life which is so amazing and that's the hope yeah of course so I guess before we get into because I want to talk about the third door how about you kind of tell people like take me back to the beginning of how the idea for Backstage Bobby came about yeah so before the idea for Backstage Bobby there was Little Bobby who loved country music, even though I grew up in a house that was nothing but like Prince and Guns N' Roses, Flock of Seagulls, ACDC, Tom Petty. Um, But I have family that we have a 250-year-old family farm in central Illinois. My grandparents grew up listening to country. And so, you know, when I kind of peel back the layers, I think it was, you know, I mean, my grandpa that, my papa that handed me the CD. But country music from my earliest memories has been a constant for me. I mean, my last name is Dixon. My dad was trying to be cheeky and got us a Dixie Chick CD. And he was like, oh, it's the Dixon Chicks. And 
I thought it was stupid, but like I wore that CD to the bone and I still have it. And I like looked at it the other day and it is so worn out. I don't even think it could play anymore. But there was something about those songs. And I always joke about it when I interview artists um, that I was like singing heart heartbreak songs mm-hmm. and like cheating songs at six. And I had no idea what they were about, but I felt something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that overall feeling kind of ushered in this lifelong kind of obsession with country music. I mean, growing up in Chicago, like you said, you know what I mean? Country music just wasn't as accessible. I mean, we've always had these country radio stations, but I was one of the few kids that I can remember growing up that loved Faith Hill, Martina McBride, Roscoe Flatts, Toby Keith. You know what I mean? That was what I listened to. Meanwhile, like my girlfriends are like, oh my God, Hanson and Sync. And like, don't get me wrong. I can like jam to Umbop just like anybody. But like there was something about country music that felt like it was mine. And so my whole life... I loved it. I dragged my parents to different concerts. Um, Like when I finally turned 21, I got to go experience Joe's on Weed and kind of realized that there was a community here, but I never thought it would be a career. I just thought it would be an obsession and I wanted a job that could fuel my obsession. So I go to Eastern Illinois. I major in hospitality and sports marketing. And... And you I, wanted to be a wedding planner. And I wanted to be a wedding planner. See, that's so that's so interesting to me. I wanted to be J Lo. I mean, that I wanted oh, to be I mean, the wedding who, who planner. Who doesn't want to be J Lo? She looks dope. Um, but yeah, I left school and kind of had a change of heart and fell into nannying, but continued this love of country. Went to Joe's on Weed, Windy City Smokeout, Country Thunder. You mean every concert I could afford to go to, I, I went, and I often went by myself. And um, it wasn't until the let's see the winter of 2019 that my sorority sister stuff Caldwell called me and was like hey I've started this women's networking kind of coalition called manifest her a bunch of our other sorority sisters have done it it's all about you kind of stepping into your power having a seat at the table how you can reach that next kind of big milestone in your life if you feel like you've hit this glass ceiling and that really resonated with me because I was like God, like, I just felt really stuck. But at the same time, I was nervous. You I mean, a lot of these other girls were lawyers or teachers or, or um, small business owners. And so I was really intimidated walking in. But I, I left realizing that I wanted to work in country music. And I think it was something that I always knew was there but didn't know if it was ex- accessible. I didn't know that was a job. I figured I had to be in Nashville or I had to go to school for music business. And so I really kind of dug deep for the six months after that. And then, you know, I mean, COVID hit. And so I didn't get my concert fix. And I was like crying looking at old concert footage because I felt like a part of my soul, like a lot of other people Mm -hmm. in this world, was broken. So I wake up one day to a a text from my friend Steph. And she's like, you should call me on your way to work. So I'm like, okay, like, whatever. I'm like, hey, what's up? She's like, I figured out what you're going to do with your life. I was like, okay, do tell. (laughs) (laughs) Please, please inform me. Please inform me. And Steph is a smart and kind and, you know what I mean, very envisionary, feminine, powerful, extremely successful person. I mean, she has also manifested her career in a a very male-dominated industry, much like country music, but she's... In a, in a different industry. And so I was so interested to be like, okay, girl, like, what do you have for me? Yeah. Because I knew what she was going to say I would listen to and it would be gold. So she's like, you're going to third door your way into the country music industry. And I didn't really at the time know what that meant. Mm-hmm. But she's like, you're going to start, you should start an Instagram page. Call it Backstage Bobby and just, just see what happens. So I started it. And I remember my first post was me at the 2019 
uh, Windy City Smokeout with my vintage Kenny Chesney t-shirt. I'm like, hi, I'm Bobby. I'm from Chicago and I love country music. And I remember those first few weeks, I had no idea what I was doing. I like did song reviews. I talked about how you know women were um, the whole uh, tomatoes in a salad scandal, even with women on country radio. And then it kind of grew into this interviewing indie artists. And as I did that, uh, All Country News saw me and was like, hey, we would love for you to come host our podcast. And we built that from scratch. And it's called The Country Confidential. And we've talked to everybody from Lainey Wilson to Matt Stell to Paca McCollum um, to Nate Smith to Neil Towns to Neil Arts. And it's really been a really cool way for me to like share my love of country music and bond with some of these people. And then I got offered the senior director job over there. So like this whole third dooring, it's like a thing. So it is it is a thing. And I will say the third door analogy, because uh, I'm I'm just such a visual consumer, reminds me of that scene in uh, Goodfellas. Yep. Where he's taking Karen and he's showing Karen his world and he doesn't go through the front the the the, the other two doors that we'll eventually talk about. He knows the third door. He created the third door. He's befriended everyone that goes through that third door. And because of the relationships that he's made going through that third door, he gets a table that only comes out for him. And you definitely have tables, I believe, and I know, that only come out for you because of your kindness going through that third door. And it's the truth. So for for those that don't know, why don't you explain what the third door is. So a really successful young guy by the name of Alex Benayan wrote this beautiful book about how to be successful in kind of an untraditional way. Mm -hmm. So as also a visual consumer and just a visual person in general, the third door I like to explain kind of as a nightclub. So the first door is your traditional way. You wait in line and you hope that you can get into the nightclub as people funnel in and out. Mm -hmm. The second way I like to call like the VIP door or the second door. And that's, you know a guy, you're hot, you're a celebrity. You have money. You got money, you slept with a bouncer. Whatever. (laughs) And that's how you get in. Yeah. So a lot of people, that's where they stop. And I feel like that there's a big, people aren't able to see past the traditional or the privileged. Mm. But what I learned for this book and talking with stuff is there really is another option. And it's the third door. And it is literally ransacking your way through strategy, hard work, and just passion into what you want. And so that's kind of what I did without really realizing it, I think, as I followed my passions and other people kind of picked up on it and latched onto the idea of being passionate about a common thing. And um, yeah, now I've been on tour buses and done shots with people and yeah, it's been quite a wild ride. But it's, I I, want to tell anybody that I I don't care if it's, you know what I mean, you're really passionate about baseball and you walk onto a team and you you work harder than everybody else and then you end up with that, with that full ride. Or, you know what I mean, you're, I almost like to think of it as kind of like a goodwill hunting. Like he, Mm, I mean, he's another really great example of third dooring your way into something. I mean, you can outpassion anybody. You don't have to wait in line at a club or you know, be related to somebody famous or have fake boobs to get into a club. You you can do it for yourself. You just kind of have to have that mindset. And that took me a while. But I think because I led with my heart, I think that door opened a lot wider than I expected. I feel like 
for for some of the people I know who third door their way in, the one example I think of, and only because I feel like I've been hearing about him and talking about him a lot lately, is Russell Wilson. Yeah. So Russell Wilson was like cut from his teams and like no one cared about him and, you know, he wasn't really – like he wasn't drafted. I don't remember where he was drafted, but he wasn't drafted high. And, I mean, he's a Super Bowl winning – quarterback he is a Walter Pan Walter Payton man of the year award winner and um, I mean he's married to Sierra I'm like let's be real he's third he's third door his way into that one too um <laughs> but but no I think there, there's a lot of people like that and I I would even kind of put myself in the third door category yeah too because, absolutely because I think I started off in the traditional line mm-hmm. of waiting and then I was like well this traditional line is taking a really long time because I keep getting cut off by the people that are in the VIP line so then you get out of the line and then you see if you know anyone who's in the VIP line that can help you out and then you realize no one wants to help you out on that line and then you're like and then you like kind of sit back and then you look and then you're like looking at the door and you're looking at these two lines and and then that's when you're like ah I'm gonna go around the block yeah and I and I think that's what I ended up doing for for at least for myself because it took me it took me like a really long time to to find anything. And I yeah. couldn't find anything. Yeah. And I remember being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't understand why, the, why nothing's working. Yeah. I'm applying for these jobs. Like, I think I have people helping me out. And then and then you, again, question yourself. So that's when I was like, I, I feel like I have a similar story to you in that sense where I was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And the beauty of what you said is like starting before you're ready. Total. So like, yeah. so talk about when you, cause you started before you were ready. Totally. Um, did you like you obviously, well, actually I shouldn't say that. Did you have some preparation that you had done beforehand or were you very much just like, I'm going to figure it out? I still don't think I'm ready. Really? And so I remember starting backstage Bobby and, and having zero plan. I mean, people talk about, content strategies and algorithms and I was like I I I didn't know any of it I was posting what I was passionate about and just kind of crossed my fingers and kind of just threw caution to the wind and I'm like if it doesn't work out I'm gonna there's there will something will come out of this regardless of if it works or doesn't I'm gonna learn something and so I think that was intriguing to me Mm -hmm. but there are days I I still don't feel ready for this and I'll be quite frank there still is no plan there still is no calculated plan. I, my strategy is I share what interests me mm-hmm. and I share what I'm passionate about and I share what I think is going to entertain and connect with other people. And sometimes that means I don't post for a week. And I think I had to learn that like I can't work myself to the bone mm-hmm. and compare myself to other people because I'm one person. Right. And so, yeah, I just, kind of happens like that. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point of like the, I think it's so easy, especially doing creative stuff or producing or you know stuff content you know to me I'm like content is producing like it's the same thing yeah but like it's so easy to get lost in that comparison game right totally and I know even for myself the month of July I very much like like accidentally took off like 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 I didn't mean to like it wasn't it wasn't intended it it, but it happened where um I realized one it's the summer yeah no one really gives a shit shit. like 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 everyone's busy like I was busy with my own life oh yeah I had some personal stuff you know happen that like I didn't I wasn't feeling 
passionate. Yeah. And totally, I was like, totally. and I'm like, and to me, I know when I'm faking it on camera and I don't want to fake it for the people that like, to me, the one thing that you can't ever get back is time. And it's, it's the one thing I'm asking people for. It's the most valuable currency I'm asking someone for. Yeah. So if I'm going to give you something to listen to, I want it to be worth your time. I don't want to be wasting your time yeah. if I'm not in it and you're like, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's totally a colossal it. waste of time. Yeah. Um, but I remember in in this, you know, now that we're, it's August and just the last month of taking off, it actually has been really great to, you know, at least for me, um, like recharge. Totally. Because I think it's yeah. so easy to get, um, just to get burnt out doing this stuff. Yeah. And, and I agree. And I feel like it's so easy in social media and, you know, it's really a 24-7 job. And I think yeah. that's something that I've had to adapt, adapt to is like, Country music and country music news and country music content isn't going anywhere. No. So, like, if I don't do something on a Saturday, I've had I've had to kind of gr- grapple with that because I mean we really are a, a, a one a one person show here. Yeah. So, but I- I've just learned so much about I think myself, and I've learned that we have such common ground through music and just through art in general. And I've loved talking with these artists because I'm like, man. Because then, like, a, a gentleman I talked to this morning named uh, Wyatt McCubbin, you should go check him out. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is from Ohio, small-town kid, didn't really know what he wanted, but knew he loved music. And I feel like that common thread is woven through myself into everybody I've talked to. It's been this just kind of overarching feeling of, like, I love this. I don't know what to do, but I'm I'm going to do it anyway. And now he has cuts with Cody Johnson. He's going to be out on tour with Cameron Marlowe, has cuts on his album. And he's just, like, a dude from Ohio. So I, I feel like you find a lot of that in, in every day. I feel like it's so easy for you to be like, wow, she's doing or he's doing so great, and he's had all of these amazing things. But that's what I also think is the problem with social media is, like, we only see those highs. Like, nobody... You mean, I don't know of anybody getting on there and being like, today was really shitty and I haven't written a good song in a month and I'm broke and my girlfriend just left. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't see that. And yeah. I think I think what's so interesting to me is to realize that all of these country artists, whether it's been Lainey Wilson or Parker McCollum or even Josh Turner, everybody's fallen on their ass. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just kind of humbling to be like, huh. You're telling me those things because sometimes I feel like that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you bring up a few good points. The first one being, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that my heart, it's its almost like your heart sings in a way that it's never sung before. Totally. And it feels so fucking good that I don't know what it is, but I know I have to do it. Absolutely. And, I ha- and, and, and it's kind of one of those things where like, I'm like, I'll just figure it out. Yeah. I'll just figure it out. That's exactly it, what this whole figure, thing is. I'll just yeah. figure it out. But um, the, the the commonalities and I think the, you know, now I think the beauty of social media and again, there, there's with good comes bad and it's the balance and, and it is what it is. But the beauty of it now is the being able to connect and to find that what is the to me, what is the, the, the spine of bar talk and the spine of bar talk is we have more in common with each other than we have different. And you're seeing that day in and day out interviewing some of you know some of the best of the best in country music or some of the upper up and coming in country music is that like I fall too and that's okay I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna stumble and then I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna put it into something 100 percent yeah and I feel like it's it's for me I almost appreciate that person and that artist and their artistry more because as a fan I'm able to go back and listen and be like 
I can I can I can feel what they're feeling more. Mm-hmm. I after talking with them, I can be like, oh, this is how their gears were turning. This is how everything was working. And so I feel like it gives me just an overall more of an ap- appreciation for the genre, but for the for the person, because I feel like it's so easy for people to be like, there's this like huge wall between celebrities and artists and everything, and like they're put on such a pedestal. But we all we're, we all see each other. Eye we to all eye. see each other eye to eye. We all put our pants on one leg at a time, and I yeah. feel like. At the heart, that's kind of what country music is. We're all the same. You know, you remind me of, uh, or not remind me of, but the your one story I remember you telling me was when you interviewed Russell Dickerson at Wishfest. Yes. Okay, and I want you to tell people the story and the meaning behind his famous line in Home Sweet Home. home or oh Home Sweet. Do yes. you remember it? Or do do, should I tell it? <laughs> Crap, do I remember this? So it was basically, there, he has this beautiful part. Oh, in, yes. You okay. know what I'm talking about. Yes, I know what you're talking it literally, about Because after you told me that story, yes. I can't listen to the song the same yes. way. And I I actually get emotional every time I hear it now in like yeah. the best way possible. Yeah, so he has this awesome song called Home Sweet. He has a beautiful wife, Kaylee, and a new son, Remy. And I got to talk to him a little bit about being a father and, and what that means to your artistry. How are you? I mean how are you a working parent, but not only a working parent, but like a working parent. Yeah. And so he wrote this song, Home Sweet, with Charles Kelly of um, Lady Antebellum. And he's talking, I mean, he's talking about how they were broke and they had nothing, but then they had this child and they're in this, they're in this home and it's beautiful. And he's talking about two pink lines and a white picket fence. And he's like, he can't even get through that third, that third verse of that song without crying. And it was true. He did cry. Yeah, he did. So it's, I feel like it's the, it's moments like that where you're able to go back and listen to their song, and it's not bullshit. No. I feel like a lot of these songs, they seem, and I know for me as a consumer for a really long time before I started interviewing these artists, they seemed very manufactured. Mm. It's, Nashville is a songwriting factory. I mean, oh, it, it, it really it is. is. It is. I mean, it, it, it's the business of Nashville. Like, it just is. But I also think it's moments in talking with, like, Josh Turner about his Christmas album and having his kids on there and why that's important and talking with Russell about what home suite is to him and talking with, you know what I mean, Lainey Wilson about who who lived in a trailer behind a freaking grocery store in Nashville for years because she, she, she had that pull. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's that pull and that's, it's that commonality that kind of takes that idea of that machine away for me at least. And I feel like I'm able to appreciate country music at a deeper level than maybe your average consumer. And I'm hoping that then we're able to kind of bring that out to the masses. So people are like, Oh my God, they like what they're singing about really did happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like this facade. And I think what country does the best at, and I think that I really think it's why at least for me, because so my first love of country music yeah. was uh, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. Yes! That was the song. But I should also rewind and say it was Pat Galvin's, I believe, 10th or 11th birthday party where his giveaway to all of us was a mixtape of country songs. So this was my introduction to country music. Was I, I need to meet this person. Pat, yeah. thank you. If, Hi, I don't Pat! Know, I don't know if you're listening to this, but, thank, but Pat, thank Call you. Me. Um, <laughs> but so it was like, I remember it was... Um, Oh my God! Like Gretchen Wilson was oh my on gosh, there. Yeah. Um, redneck woman. Redneck. It was redneck woman. Um, and I, that that's the one song that's sticking out. I'm like totally drawing a blank on the others. Tim McGraw probably lived like you were dying. dying. And but then it was me and my sister started listening to it. 
And then we got my mom and my dad into it. So that was the song. And then it was oh, yeah. Toby. And then it was Toby Keith. And then it was Tim McGraw's Live Like You Were Dying, Dying. album. Oh, yeah. And then it turned into this just snowball effect in, in my in my family, yeah. at least. It really oh, yeah. has. Because I think what, what country does, at least for me, and again, I'm biased. So I understand that I'm totally biased saying this. But country has this way of of like connecting us all with like, really honest lyrics and to me it's it's what connects us as human beings and it's storytelling we love storytelling we love connectivity and there's something about certain songs like you said like you're crying to a heartbreak song and you don't even know why I can't even begin to tell you the amount of songs that I've listened to and I'm like why the fuck am I emotional right now yeah and it like like hits according you that you like don't even know why but you're like I'm feeling some type of way right now exactly and when I was interviewing Wyatt this morning I can't even remember exactly what he said because I blanked out but I always love to ask this question to all of my guests Mm -hmm. I've asked it to every single person I've talked to Mm -hmm. and I always tell them and I, I get them like worked up about it and like whatever I'm like I ask this every time and I always say like this is your answer like there's no correct answer and so like they're all kind of hyped up and then I go I'll say their whole their full name so like yeah. when I when I asked Parker McCollum I was like Parker McCollum and then I go how do you define country music and it is my favorite question to ask because you get every single person's perspective and it often like draws up a memory or a commonality or they're like, crap, I don't know. I've gotten that a few times. Like, can we come back to that question? I've gotten that more times than I can count. But the main thread through all probably 120 of those answers is real life storytelling and emotion. Like if I had to make like a flow chart of the most common words, it would be those. And I feel like it's real life for a real person and it's just, it's so funny to me to kind of watch, I always call it like the pendulum swinging. I've said that since I've started this, is the country music was huge when I was growing up. Early 90s, 2000s, 2010s when I was in college. It was huge. And then it kind of took this bro country break. And people liked it and it gained popularity, but it was, it kind of was like over manufactured in my opinion mm. and kind of like took this standstill. And now I feel like the pendulum is like back with full freaking force. And I feel like, one, for me, a lot of the music coming out right now is super authentic and um, super um, nostalgic. Yeah. So for me, I'm excited about it. And then I think about like new kids coming up, the sound, this steel, pedal steel, these real lyrics, these um, these hooks that kind of make you go, Ooh, you know what yeah. I mean? It's new to them. And so I feel like country music and the stories are just opening up, opening up this whole new world. You know what I mean? It was the number one most streamed um, genre in the United States this year and Chicago was the number one most streamed city for country music on okay. Spotify this year. It, it's the truth and and so. I think every time I go to a because again you know me I'll be working the smoke out I, I've, I've, I've worked smoke out since it's second inauguration yeah. so, oh, so yeah. not the initial inauguration but the second year I've worked it every year since oh, yeah. and it was the my boss at the time I was working at RJ Grunts he's like Jenna I know you like country right and I was like I love country oh, he's yeah. like do you want to work this festival and I was like yeah and I've done it every year and even though I'm not working for the company anymore I was like hell yeah I want to work for you guys you're yeah. kidding me I get to see fucking Willie Nelson like come on like a little bit of turnpike like, yeah. I mean like that is a total bucket list thing but yeah. but again going back to what you said with with Chicago and I think what people forget about Chicago sometimes is we are in the Midwest. We yeah. just happen to be a big city. Oh, yeah. But Chicago is 
Chicago is a bunch of small towns like you know it, it really is and so I try to explain this to people when, when when they when they come and when they visit I'm like Chicago is a community of small towns we just happen to be 10 minutes away from downtown and one of the world's largest skyscrapers but like that's that's Chicago and that doesn't surprise me at all that we are um that we are number one because and I bet you get this too a lot of artists love coming here to play it's so funny so I've a lot of people that I've talked to I'll be like oh I'm Chicago based and they'll stop me they'll be like Chicago is my number one streaming city why and they they are shocked to find out that we have such a great you know what I mean infrastructure here and like I hand that over to people like Ed Warm you know what I mean our great country radio station over at US 99 that's been around for three decades yeah. you know what I mean people to, to, to bring those in and not only like play the music but bring the music here right. and so I think a, a culmination of that has just allowed people to really thrive and, and find community I mean we even have a really amazing local country community here mm-hmm. with people like South City Revival David Quinn um, people like that who are keeping who are Chicago Southside guys who yeah. are playing country music. And South, again, being a Southsider, I can say the Southside has a lot of that small town feel that a lot of those men and women who are from the like, from the bayou, from the trailer, like, like again, it's, I say it to people and, and I just think about like when I lived in a small town in Minnesota and I would talk about Chicago and I would talk about Bridgeport and I would just talk about growing up here, my coach looked at me. And he was a guy who lived in this small town of population. It was 14 or 15,000 people. And he said, Jenna, you talk like you know everyone. I said, because I do. Because yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I said, because Chicago is a small town within a big city. Oh. And it has a lot of those. Because we're so neighborhood-based and you have those strong communal ties, it ties back to what country music talks about, which is community, which is fam, you know, like all of those things that like play into it. And I, I, it makes me happy that like people love to come here and play because you, there's a different, again, I've only, I can only say this as someone who's played here, but I always feel like there's a different energy that certain artists bring when they come here because they know we're going to give it back to them. A hundred percent. I mean, there's been so many artists that were like, oh, my favorite show was playing at Joe's on weed or, oh my God, playing smoke out or. Mm-hmm. Carol's Pub, you know what I mean? And I think it's because we have people, you know what I mean, like Ed and other people that have created this community to bring this energy because, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've been to Joe's and people are artists up on stage from, you know what I mean, new guys like Muscadine Bloodline all the way up to Old Dominion that was just here a couple weeks ago before Kenny Chesney that say Joe's is their favorite place to play. Mm -hmm. One, because the people that run it are phenomenal, They're, but yeah, but with they wouldn't come if the fans weren't weren't there, right? And so, and this has been an institution for God. what almost three decades now. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I mean, everybody from Eric Church to Miranda Lambert to Keith Urban to Dirk Bentley to yeah. freaking Chris Stapleton with no beard has Tom, been on Thomas Red has been Thomas on that Rhett, stage. Dan and Shay, I saw yeah. So everybody has come through there, and I think it's we're such a little secret gem. We are, and I. Freaking love it. You do love it. Do One love of it. my favorite stories um, about Ed Warm, and again, like Ed's been on the the podcast, and he's just he's one of those guys that I think is just he loves what he does, and yeah. he does it with such passion and, totally. and such heart. And he he never does it for the spotlight. Like no. that's not like that's not Ed. Like from from the from the encounters that I've got to meet, that's not Ed. 
my favorite story that I got to read about Ed was, was it Chris Young or Lee Bryce? I can't remember which artist it was. But again, a lot of these guys, when they come into town, like, they don't have fancy tour bus. Oh, yeah. A it, lot of them are traveling by van. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of hours in a car. Oh, yeah. Or, or if they do, Bunch it's... smelly dudes. Smelly yeah. dudes. And I can't... God, I wish I could remember who the artist was. I can't remember, but... Is this the David Nail Donut story? Yes! It's yes. the David Nail Donut story! And yes. again, David Nail... Uh, the country icon. Country yeah. icon comes there and... He was with Billy Currington. Okay, yes. Yeah. And... and Basically, Ed comes onto their bus or, or whatever it is, and he's like, welcome to Chicago, guys, and gives them donuts. And, and, and again, I've learned this from Ed, too. It's like, do you guys need a place to shower? Do you guys need this? Do you yeah. guys need that? Those little things, God, they go Set them apart. And it, and it goes back to, like, I feel like, I feel like I be, I'm turning into my mother, but it's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm turning into Kathy, Mom. I love you. Mel, um, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, be kind. Totally. Show kindness. It goes a long way. And you think about that kindness that Ed has showed, the kindness that people in Chicago have shown to these artists year in and year out is what makes them want to come back. It It's what makes this Chicago country music scene grow and thrive. It's the reason why, I mean, I want to say the Windy City Smokeout after like not even five years was nominated for like one of the best country festivals with, within the ACMs. The ACM Awards. Yeah, uh, which is and like, I believe won. And then on top of that, Ed's won like five or six times. And Joe's has won Club of the Year. Yeah. It's, a it's, lot. it's 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 really impressive that we have this like hidden gem yeah. of a world here. Okay, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because I want to get back to you and I want to get back yeah. to like everything that you've done because I know you and I could go down this like rabbit hole <laughs> of talking about this for hours because we Welcome already do. Welcome to the three-hour episode of, of Bar Talk. Of Bar Talk with Bobby. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking over. That's that, I'm fine with that. Um, no, but so I think, you know, one of the really great parts about where you're at right now is like – you're to me you're just getting started and I yeah. and I love this for you because I really and you said this kind of earlier is like you don't know where you're going with this yeah, I think I there's beauty in the not knowing yeah. Oh, yeah I think there's beauty in the because in the not knowing you end up being really present in every moment that you're in so let's kind of backtrack a little bit to you know these two-ish years that you've been doing this now um Obviously, you've had some amazing highs interviewing Parker McCollum, Lainey Wilson, um, being able to introduce the artist at fucking Country Thunder. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that's a huge yeah. thing to have happened in seriously such a short period yeah. of time. And again, it's like now where it's like, OK, that that those those blood, sweat and tears, they're finally paying off. Absolutely. Again, with social media, we don't always like to show the like not great sides and the, and the tough sides. Can you talk about a moment within these last two years that you were like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, th there's not been a lot of them, but one sticks out. I've always had imposter syndrome. Thank you, Dr. Becky for helping me realize that. Um, but there was another podcast in town mm -hmm. and, uh, it really threw me for a loop and I was like, I'm done like this. I'm done. I was ready to cash it in. It'd been a year. I'm like, nothing's really happening. It was a good run. And uh, 
my friend kind of looked at me. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, you're so good at this. You're so wonder, you mean, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to, you know what I mean, go on and on about what she said. But I think I really had to pick myself up by my bootstraps and ask myself, why is country music and why is this so important for me? Why have I put up with all these crazy long hours? I was in grad school. I was nannying. I was running backstage Bobby. I was helping do Country Confidential. I was working 60 hours a week. I mean, it was insane. insane. I'm, like, I'm like, why did I do this? Mm-hmm. Because country music makes me feel something. And I think... Yeah, I have the every I get a, I get a no or I get ghosted by a record label or I lose an interview because my phone was full of memory wasn't didn't have right. enough memory. You, you, things like that happen, but I I think it's important to highlight those moments and not make it look like my story has been the yellow brick road the whole time because it really hasn't. Mm-hmm. I think once I kind of after you know, our conversation at Bub City and kind of just kind of went, "Okay, whatever will happen will happen i feel like that's when those lows started to become a little less low Mm. and it was kind of like okay this is this happens for a reason um but yeah i feel like the comparison trap has always been my low comparing myself to either other country accounts when when a lot of these other big comp like bigger companies have tons of people working for them and it's just me it it, social media is a full-time job oh yeah um I, I always say, I feel like I'm in this, like, I, I, I do this weird dance, right? Yeah. Where I am like a horse on the track that has my blinders on and I look at no one but what is in front of me. Yeah. And then there are times where you have to take the, you have to take the blinders off oh, yeah. because it's really beneficial, I think, to hear... I, I always I'm I'm always open to feedback is what I say like constructive feedback, but I'm open to it from people where it's coming from a good place. Yeah, and also from people who are in the same arena as me. Yeah, I'm not listening to the motherfuckers who are all the way up in the nosebleeds. Oh yeah, it's just oh, not yeah. happening. No. I'm not listening to you. Um, but all of that being said, the comparison game on social media can definitely be, it's a lot, and I think there's like something really powerful about like putting your phone down and oh, having yeah. limited time mm-hmm. and also realizing too like we all have we, like like the more the more you talk to people and again you've seen this is like everyone a lot of people feel this way man yeah a oh, lot yeah. of people feel this way it's crazy yeah a lot of people feel this way I mean I started the interview process with a lot of independent artists people that don't have a, a major label deal mm-hmm. and I feel like there's a common thread between all of those people feeling the the imposter syndrome, but also some of the the bigger people I've talked to that have huge label deals, that have a billion streams, that, you know what I mean, have tons of money in a great backyard and go on tour and have great buses, deal with that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to air dirty laundry, but there are people that you would be shocked to learn deal with their self-esteem. And I think it's just such a humbling reminder that, we all trudge through the shit at some point in our life and uh, just keep going what you're passionate about. I love this so much and I love learning about everybody's stories. I've been able to meet people like you. I've been able to do things that I never I never even thought were, were possible um, and meet people that I've, I mean, I freaking met Darius Rucker and my first ever concert was Hootie and the Blowfish when I was three at freaking Ravinia with my parents. So... To be able to tell him that was 
oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, it's like one of those crazy moments. And, you know, people are like, oh, how did you do this? Or, you mean, my parents like to brag on me or um, my friend Chris Wexel that runs the Coyote was bragging on me at Country Thunder and had all these people ask me. And it seems super surreal. But I think the common thread is do what you love. Put all your effort into it. Know that you're going to trudge through some horrible shit. But if you're truly passionate about it, like you'll learn how to run through the shit. And that's kind of what I've learned to do. I've learned to run through shit. <laughs> oh, God, that is a bad visual. <laughs> I'm taking a drink. Take a drink. Oh, my God. Oh, that's hilarious. No, I mean, it's, uh, I, I just, the only answer I can come up with to that is, uh, is yeah. And because it's the truth. I yeah. mean, if you love it, you find a way. Yeah. And anything, again, it's like there's a reason why certain sayings are corny. It's because they're right. And yeah. They're, oh, yeah. hundred you know, percent. There's a reason. And, um, yeah, I'm, it just makes me happy. Like, I don't know what else to say besides it just oh, yeah. makes me happy to see you doing this. And and to be honest, like, I, I don't even want to ask you this question because I I genuinely feel like you haven't even thought of it, which isn't a bad thing. Ooh, but like, I'm intrigued. but but again, I'm intriguing you. So I so I guess I'll ask um, no timestamp. Like cause I hate asking pe- questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. questions with timestamps. But like, where do you see you going with this? Yeah. Like, have you taken a look down yeah. the road a little bit to yeah. see? Yeah. I try not to look too dark. <laughs> I try not to look too far down the road. Mm-hmm. I am such a romanticist, but mm-hmm. I'm also an anxious worrier. So I feel like the culmination of those can be really detrimental. I really just try to focus on what I can control right now. But if I had to be like grandiose, where do I want to be in 10 years? I want to be the girl that when Thomas Rhett and Parker McCollum and Chris Stapleton and Dirk Bentley and Ashley McBride come through Chicago, they come and chat with me. They have a slice of pizza. They have a PBR, possibly a shot of Malort, if they're up for it. I just want to be able to showcase the people that I love mm-hmm. because I feel like country music time and time again has proven it's, it's, it's love for me, it's proven that I can get through anything. It's been there for me through breakups. It's been for failures. It's been there for happy times. And I just want to show people that it's it can be there for them too. And plus, who doesn't want to have a freaking beer with Ashley McBride? I mean, that's on my bucket list. But yeah, I just want to be able to showcase these people's stories in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect. Because I think at the end of the day, we all shit sitting down and we all put our pants on the same way. And I think that sharing those stories helps people, especially people like me, appreciate the artistry more. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the question that you like to ask. Ah, damn it. (laughs) I've never thought about this. Yay. All right. Bobby backstage, Bobby Dixon. Yeah. mm -hmm. Because I still don't know how to, that's how how your title in my phone. (laughs) (laughs) You're Jenna with a beer can by it. That works too. (laughs) How do you define country music? Emotion. What It's going to evoke an emotion in you, whether it makes you want to drink, whether it makes you want to cry about a boy at midnight and drive your car to your mom's and cry, whether it makes you a little horny and want to get it on. It, it, it gives you 
an emotion and it brings you back. I think of the song I Go Back by Kenny Chesney. Mm. That is the most true song. I mean, there's lots of true songs. Yeah. But I think of that because I hear these songs, especially like 90s songs that come up on my rotation or when US 99 does 90s weekends, I can sit there and I go, oh my God. I remember exactly where I was happy, like where I was. I remember where I was when Dirt Road Anthem, the Brantley Gilbert, um, Jason Aldean song came out, and the fact that I still know all the words to that rap part, I was in a really smelly bus at Eastern Illinois on the way to farm, farm dance or barn dance, uh, rapping that. I mean, it, it just it evokes an emotion in you, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but it's the stories that create that emotion that I think country music has become so many different things now. And I think when you peel back all the layers, it's not necessarily how it sounds. It's not the the instrumental or the rhythmics. It's the story that can relate to everybody. And that's why I'm so excited about country music right now, because I feel like we've opened up the floodgates and people from all different walks of life are to be like, yeah, I, I grew up in the country. And I, I think of people like Haley Witters, who grew up in Iowa. And when you think of Iowa, you don't think of country music, but Iowa is literally a giant cornfield. Yeah. And she's like my Midwestern princess, and she makes me feel something. And I feel like it doesn't matter if you're from Compton or you're from frickin' the sticks in Louisiana. Everybody has that common thread around emotion, and I think that's what country music is. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay, I will end if there's anything else you would like to say or if there's anything else you'd like to ask. Um. Chris Young, my my goal growing up was to move to Nashville and marry you, and I'm really hoping that that's a possibility. Is he single? I think so. <laughs> Chris. Call me. I'll be in Nashville in October. <laughs> I, can't. I can't with you. Um, all right, well then, let's do this. Cheers to going through the third door and seeing where life takes you. I love it. Cheers, girl. Cheers. For anyone who uh, is in the Chicagoland area and if you ever find yourself at any country concert ever, I promise you there is like a 95% chance that you will find Bobby there. Um, She does a great job of the content that she covers and she's, I just, I'm very, very grateful to know Bobby to say, to say that. And I really appreciate her friendship. Um, Okay. I said I had a tip for you. Here's a tip. It's okay to, you know, not be okay. I know that's not a great tip, but I think it's a good reminder that throughout life, um, your emotions are going to ebb and flow. Some days you're going to feel like you're on top of the world. And some days you're going to feel like you can't get out of bed. And I, it was a quote from, oh God, what is his name? He was just nominated for Anne. Oh God, give me one second. I'm going to find this for you guys. Okay. Give me. Okay. So it was Jeremy Pope guys. All right. Uh, an actor. And he was talking to his therapist and basically saying how he feels like his highs are so high and his lows are so low that he wishes that he could just be in the middle a little bit. And his therapist said back to him, um, if you ever look at a heart monitor, you have these highs and these lows. And if you're in the middle, you flatline and you don't want to flatline. So I think it is that reminder to all of us that on the days where we feel really low, know that you're going to go back up. Okay. And, and 
it's okay to be low because when you're at low points in your life, one, I think you end up learning a lot about yourself and a lot about things that you needed to know. And two, when those highs come, you get to appreciate them that much more. Okay, guys, that is all I have for you today. I I thank you. I thank you all for hanging out with me. And uh, I hope you all take the time today to realize we have way more in common with each other than we have different. Until next time, take care. Hey, everybody, it's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here.